1: I'm Jason Bellamy. That the word arthritis might call to mind images of older adults is with good reason. Aging is a primary cause of osteoarthritis, which affects an estimated 27 million Americans. But arthritis isn't exclusive to adults. Children develop arthritis, too. Juvenile arthritis isn't a specific condition. It's an umbrella term that includes numerous types and subtypes. In this episode of Move Forward Radio, physical therapist Susan Klepper will walk us through those types of juvenile arthritis and describe typical treatments for the disease. Here's our interview with Susan Klepper. Susan, let's begin at the beginning. Arthritis itself, what is it?
0: Well, arthritis, if you break it into its basic terminology, means inflammation. Itis is inflammation. Arth is joint, so it is inflammation of a joint.
1: Okay, and then there are all these terms that are out there. Juvenile arthritis, juvenile idiopathic arthritis, juvenile rheumatoid arthritis. Help me sort these out. Are these all the same thing, and what's the prevailing terminology at this point?
0: So the term juvenile arthritis just indicates, again, inflammation in a joint in children. Children are defined by the criteria for juvenile idiopathic arthritis, which we'll get into, as having disease that starts before the age of 16. Juvenile idiopathic arthritis is the term used based on the current classification, diagnostic criteria and classification by a group called Ilar, which is the International League of Associations for Rheumatology. And they have defined a certain number of types of arthritis based on a lot of different parameters. As a group, they're called juvenile idiopathic arthritis, R-J-I-A.
1: And so the I in the J-I-A, the idiopathic, means what?
0: People will tell you it means the idiots don't know. Basically, it means that the specific cause is not known.
1: So we don't know the cause. So what do we know about J-I-A in this case? How similar is J-I-A to arthritis that we think of typically for affecting older adults?
0: So, older adults can be affected by rheumatoid arthritis, and there is, again, which is inflammation of the joints, but people with rheumatoid arthritis have a lot of systemic symptoms and organ involvement. They can be very ill, they can experience very significant joint deformities, physical limitations, and really big impact on their life. There's one type of juvenile idiopathic arthritis that looks more like the adult RA, but most of the other types do not. The other thing that we see in adults is osteoarthritis, which is very different from rheumatoid arthritis. So it is really degeneration of the joint, and in the past has been referred to as the wear and tear disease, You can have osteoarthritis in multiple joints in individuals, so you can have larger joints, you can have smaller joints of the hand, certainly the thumb, the fingers, the neck. A lot of people have osteoarthritis as a result of having an injury, and the joint then degenerates as time goes on, so they're very different than an inflammatory condition like RA, and That is different than most types of JIA.
1: So to recap a little bit, it makes sense of course that children wouldn't have this wear and tear sort of arthritis because they're young. And you also established that we don't know what's causing the JIA, that's the eye. For someone who has juvenile arthritis, what are they feeling, how is it affecting them day to day?
0: The initial thing again will depend on the type. So maybe it makes sense to go over the seven types. I think that that is probably more helpful. They have different levels of incidence and prevalence and age groups and everything. But basically, the types include systemic JIA, and this disease has, as the term indicates, systemic signs and symptoms. So they typically have a fever and a rash that appear twice a day. So the fever spikes, they have a rash on their face, sometimes their trunk, and then it goes away. And the fever and the rash are typically paired. They have involvement of multiple body systems. So these kids can be really, really sick during active periods of the disease. They may or may not have arthritis initially, but arthritis typically will occur at some time later in the disease as much as months later. And they can be quite involved in terms of their joints, but it varies. The next type, which is the most common type, is oligoarticular. An older term, which people may be familiar with, is posse articular, and basically this means there are four or fewer joints with arthritis. Often, these kids might present with arthritis, so swelling and pain in a single knee, and this sometimes delays diagnosis, particularly if these kids are involved in sports, because it looks like the knee has been injured, and the child then is referred to a pediatric orthopedist or to their pediatrician, and that sometimes that delays the eventual diagnosis. These kids are at high risk for inflammatory eye disease, and they need to be followed anywhere from once a year, twice a year, sometimes four times a year, because this disease has no symptoms, and it can lead to blindness, and so they would have to have frequent exams. There's two types of oligoarticular. The first is persistent, where the child never has more than four joints with arthritis, and the other is extended, where after the first six months of disease, the child starts adding joints with arthritis. And these kids can come to look more like children who initially have a lot of joints involved, but they're still listed under this classification of oligoarticular, partly because of the increased risk for eye disease. The next group is the polyarticular. These kids present initially with five or more joints with arthritis, and this is often symmetric. So if they have wrist and hand involved on the right side, more than likely you'll see it on the left as well. These kids can have almost any joint in the body involved. Uh, they're at high risk of some cervical spine problems and you have to be careful with some of the things they do like, you know, doing somersaults or gymnastics are probably not the best sport for them. There's two types of this group as well. They can be rheumatoid factor negative or rheumatoid factor positive. This is the group, the rheumatoid factor positive group, that looks much more like an adult with rheumatoid arthritis. They can have systemic symptoms. Their joint involvement pattern is very similar to adult RA. Then we go on to some other types. There's two other types, psoriatic arthritis. These kids have psoriasis and arthritis. And typically, these children also have a first-degree relative who also has psoriasis. The final type is enthesitis-related arthritis, referred to as ERA. And these children have inflammation at what we call the entheses, which are the site where tendons, ligaments, and capsules join bone. So if you think of this, there's spots around the kneecap or the patella that can be involved, the ankle, the Achilles tendon, sometimes on the bottom of the foot, sort of in the area where you might find pain from plantar fasciitis, but this is a different condition. They also can have inflammation in their spinal joints. And some of these kids, as they become adolescents, may have pain in the sacroiliac joints, which you might see in adults, with a condition called ankylosing spondylitis. And so they may have a lot of stiffness and pain in their spine. There's a final category just called undifferentiated, which is arthritis that doesn't fit neatly into one category or overlaps more than one. And so these children are treated for their inflammation and whatever else is going on, but they don't receive a specific classification.
1: So that's an incredible overview of the diversity and everything in there from, obviously, beyond joint irritation, you've got the rashes, you've got the risk for blindness. From a physical therapy perspective, from a physician perspective, are kids with these different versions of arthritis treated essentially like arthritis patients, or are they treated for their specific problems because it seems like there are so many different symptoms across the across the spectrum?
0: With children who have more than just the arthritis, so if we looked at the kids with persistent oligoarthritis, the arthritis may be one issue that's treated, and there are a number of ways to do that. But you also have to pay attention to the potential for eye disease. And again, that goes to the frequent eye exams. And if inflammation is found, then they're treated with eye drops, steroids, and sometimes some other systemic medications for that. For children who have systemic arthritis, there's so many things going on that they may be seeing a pediatric rheumatologist who's sort of the gatekeeper of everything, and they may be seeing other specialists because of the many problems they have, and they may be on a combination of medications to treat the various systemic problems that are going on, as well as the arthritis. So this is a condition that's similar to some other pediatric diagnoses that really does take a village to handle. You can't just have a rheumatologist. You can't just have a physical or occupational therapist. You need a team, and everybody needs to work together.
1: Where is the physical therapist value? Where does physical therapy come into play?
0: Physical therapy is a mainstay of this condition. All of these kids should have an initial evaluation to see what their condition is. I am a big advocate for a PT eval as soon as a child has a definite diagnosis, if for no other reason to get a baseline, but also because some of these kids can go a fair amount of time before getting this diagnosis. Because as I pointed out, if you have say a 10-year-old who's playing soccer and turns up with a swollen knee, it may be considered an injury, maybe fell on the field. And so somebody thought she had an injury and she's referred first to a pediatrician then to an orthopedist. And it takes a while. And so by that time, kids may have already developed some impairments. Muscle atrophy occurs pretty quickly in these kids, particularly in the areas around the joint that has inflammation, but we know that more distant areas are also affected, that it's not just what's happening around a single joint. We also know that, if, for instance, if you have a knee with arthritis and you're trying to protect it and changing your walking pattern or changing what you do are typically holding it in a bent position because if there's swelling in the joint, that allows more space in the joint for that swelling and makes the child feel a little bit more comfortable. So now you have to presume that both the hip and the ankle joint, the foot and the ankle, may be affected. And so I feel that as soon as a child is diagnosed, they should have a PT eval and possibly an OT eval if that looks like it might be relevant. For the child, and then they should be given a generalized exercise program, range of motion, some muscle strengthening activities that should be done, definitely the range of motion should be done daily. If kids have a lot of active disease, it should be done twice a day, morning and evening. The strengthening activities can be done every other day, and then making sure that the child stays active. For the kids who have more involvement they need a individualized physical therapy program. and It can range from measures to relieve pain to measures to preserve joint range of motion, to improve joint range of motion, to rebuild muscle bulk and strength, to also examine and address more complex motor skills. So we do know that kids whose disease starts very early, like before the age of one, they're sometimes delayed in the development of their gross motor skills. Other kids who may get the disease a little bit later, let's say three or four or even five, may not develop the more complex motor skills that are required for successful play and participation in sports. So we're looking at things like hopping, skipping, jumping, running effectively, balance, you know, proprioception, things like that, that really need to be addressed, evaluated in the child, and then, you know, an activity program that would remediate any deficits.
1: So I want to go back to this in just a second, but one of the things we haven't established yet is a child who has arthritis, are they signed up now for a life of arthritis or can this be cured? Will it go away? What's their outlook?
0: What we know right now, based on studies that have been done, and then I'll give a qualifier for that, is that children, particularly children with polyarticular disease, if they've had active disease for about 10 years, more than likely, they're going to carry this into adulthood. Some kids will go into periods where the disease is quiet or certainly less active, but then they could flare, you know, a little bit later. I work with a young woman who probably has possibly the undifferentiated type, although she was initially diagnosed with the oligo articular disease, and she has some joint problems, but her biggest problem is the eye disease, and so she needs to be monitored very carefully, and she's on drugs to prevent the eye inflammation and potential blindness, and she's in her 30s. I have another client who's in the mid-40s who was diagnosed when he was four with polyarticular JIA, rheumatoid negative, and continues to have problems. And you know there are periods where it's inactive. There are periods where it appears to be active and has had multiple surgeries along the way to repair joints that are damaged.
1: And so for those inactivity periods, obviously for anyone, whether they have arthritis or not, regular activity, regular motion, all these things are good, right? We know that. But is physical therapy valuable essentially throughout the span or is it more valuable when the arthritis is kicked in, when it's one of those activity periods. How does the plan kind of come in and out of someone's life who has arthritis?
0: So I think it starts with the initial evaluation, no matter, you know, how old the child is. I think particularly if the child's diagnosed very young, PT and OT are going to be in that child's life for quite a while, partly because of the disease. And if they have polyarticular disease with sort of periods of active disease and periods of, I won't say remission, but maybe quiescence, so the disease is a little quieter. They're going to need to be seen for periods or episodes of PT along the way. The other factor that impacts these kids is they're changing. Their bodies are changing, unlike an adult who has RA, who has a stable body. These kids, their bodies are growing, the proportion of different parts of their body are changing and this impacts the stress on their joints. And so they may do fine for a while and then they may enter adolescence and have a flare or they're just less functional than they were before just because of growth changes. One of the other things that we didn't talk about is how the inflammation affects growth. And so for kids with systemic disease, for two reasons. One, because of the disease itself, and two, because a lot of these kids are on steroids because that's a strong anti-inflammatory, and they have generalized growth disturbance and can end up being very small. And if you have arthritis in joints of one side of the body versus the other, you can then end up, and this goes with either the oligoarticular, who may have one knee involved, the kids with polyarticular disease. When there's active inflammation, that limb may actually grow longer than the other. And then when the disease settles down, the growth plate may close sooner, and that limb may end up being shorter than the other. This affects their gait pattern. It can cause pain because of the difference. It certainly affects a lot of their physical functions. So these are things that need to be monitored along the way. So I wouldn't say kids are in PT or OT for life, but it's episodes of treatment.
1: So let me give you another hard question, given you've know you established so well the vast range, first of all, of the different forms of the arthritis itself never mind the different ages at which a child could be affected. But to go back to that example of, say, that 10-year-old soccer player who suddenly has a swollen knee and may take a while to get diagnosed, can that child be an active sports-playing child with arthritis? Or at that point, can things deteriorate so quickly that it just becomes about kind of maintaining daily function, if you will?
0: My belief is that these kids should be active in sports. I think that there's a judgment that has to be made about what the best sport is for them. That has to match their interest, whether the sport is available in their area, who is managing the sport, meaning the organization, the coaches, whoever is involved with the team that is aware of the child's condition. There are certain things that typically are not recommended which kids do anyway. Soccer, because of the impact factor, running into other kids, you know, getting injured, may not be the best sport, certainly not the best sport when a child has active disease. That doesn't mean kids with arthritis are not playing soccer. I'm sure they are. We had a young girl who played street volleyball, and she had wrist involvement. So your first inclination is, this is not the best sport for you, but after talking with her, we found out that she had more pain after practices than games. And we decided that that was really a factor of too much activity in the practice because there's no downtime. And so we just modified that a little bit and she was fine. So skiing is another one that you know you kind of say, this is not the best sport for a child with polyarticular disease who has increased risk of neck injury, but there are kids with JIA and there are adults who have JIA as children who skate and they do fine. So I think it's you want them physically active, we definitely want them meeting the guidelines, the CDC guidelines for physical activity of 60 minutes a day, including both aerobic and strengthening activities. It helps with weight control for the kids who are on medications that cause increased weight. Just we know all the risk factors for inactivity. I think it has to be a decision between the child, the parent, the physician, the the pediatric rheumatologist, and the physical and occupational therapist as to what's the best choice.
1: How much has treatment for arthritis evolved in recent years?
0: It has changed dramatically from a time that if you had a child who was diagnosed in the 60s or the 70s the primary medication would have been, if it's a young child, baby aspirin. Maybe as they got older, regular aspirin. Some children were on steroids if they had a lot of systemic symptoms, or they couldn't get the arthritis under control. But probably in the last 20 years, I would say, a lot of newer drugs have come on the market and have been approved for children. So methotrexate, which is considered a DMARD or a disease-modifying anti-rheumatic drug, has really changed the face of both adult RA and JIA. There are a whole group of drugs that are classified as biologics that target a specific part of the inflammatory process and are being developed now to target specific types of JIA, drugs are often used in combination, so a child may be on two drugs or two or three drugs, and in combination, they're helping to control the disease. And so if you have a child who's diagnosed now with polyarticular disease, and the diagnosis is done reasonably early, that child is going to do so much better than the kids who are obviously now adults, but diagnosed in the 60s or 70s when they were toddlers. The other thing that has really changed the picture is intra-articular steroid injections. So if you have one knee or one ankle that's swollen and painful and very inflamed, it can be injected, and that can give relief both for the pain and the inflammation for about six months. And during that time, kids can regain the muscle strength, the range of motion, and the overall physical activity that they've lost. So it's not good to have JIA, but this is a good time.
1: So you've given us so much information, and let's close with this. Of all that's out there, of all that's unknown, considering the diversity within the juvenile arthritis bucket, what's one thing that you wish was better understood about juvenile arthritis?
0: Well, I think, as with any chronic childhood disease, is that there's still kids, or are still teenagers, and they have a chronic disease, they're on medications, They may look funny, you know, their joints may not look normal, but they're still kids and they're still people. And they're living with and managing this disease. And just by doing that, it makes them very strong people. And they're active, they play, they have fun, they go to school, they lead normal lives. And that really is sort of the message that the arthritis community wants to get across to everyone is as normal a life as possible.
1: Susan Klepper, thank you so much.
0: You're welcome. Thank you for listening to Move Forward Radio. Insight from our guest is for informational purposes only and should not be used as a substitute for individual treatment by a medical professional. Learn more about how a physical therapist can help you and find a physical therapist in your area at moveforwardpt.com. For an archive of past episodes, visit moveforwardpt.com slash radio.